C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters captured the experience of a dying man as he is met by the angels who conduct him into the afterlife. I think it's one of the most beautifully rendered passages in all of Christian literature. It goes, he had not the faintest conception till that very hour how they would look, and he even doubted their existence. But when he saw them, he knew that he had always known them and realized what part each of them had played at many an hour of his life when he had supposed himself alone. So that now he could say to them, one by one, not, who are you? But, so it was you all this time. All that they were and said at this meeting awoke memories. The dim consciousness of friends about him, which had haunted his solitudes from infancy, was it now at last explained. That central music in every pure experience which had always just evaded memory, was now at last recovered. As Christians, all of our life is oriented towards heaven. We know that this world is not our home. We are living for the kingdom of God. If you've ever seen the movie Black Robe about a 17th century Jesuit missionary to the Algonquin tribes in what is now Quebec, Canada, there is a scene where the priest is sitting around the campfire with some of the Indian chiefs talking to them about heaven. And one of the chiefs asked the Jesuit, Black Robe, that's what they call him because he wears a cassock. In your paradise, will we have tobacco? And the priest replies, you will not need tobacco there. You will be happy just to be with God. And they laugh at that and grumble because it sounds so ridiculous to them. Tobacco is one of the greatest pleasures that they can experience on earth. They can hardly be imagine being without it and calling it paradise. And because of that, the poor priest doesn't make much headway in trying to convert them. I think it's easy for us as modern Christians to look down upon these Indians for having such a limited perspective for not being able to see that smoking tobacco is a transient physical pleasure that can't possibly hold a candle to the transcendent joy of being in the presence of God. Yet in our own lives, while we might intellectually acknowledge the difference between some of these petty pleasures on earth and the supreme happiness in heaven, do we really and truly live like it? How many of us have had the experience in praying of thinking more about what we are going to have for lunch, or the vacation that we're going to take next week, or that thing we need to get at the mall, than we do about God. Now don't raise your hands, we probably don't want to share this. But it's not surprising that we sometimes have trouble directing our attention away from the, these things of the earth towards God, because that is a consequence of original sin even when the penalty of our original sin has been taken away by baptism. We still have these concupiscent desires towards lower things that we think will make us happy. Yet the wonderful thing is that if we turn ourselves towards God through Christ Jesus, we will find a greater happiness than we can ever imagine, just like the dying man in the screw tape letters. 
Parents have a very intuitive sense if their children are happy or sad. I've seen it many times. One of the beautiful things to see is when a parent relates that something has changed in their son's or daughter's life that has brought about a new happiness. Maybe they were at one school and they didn't find themselves particularly happy there because they didn't fit in or they didn't find their classes challenging. But then they go to a new school where they find a new circle of friends or new teachers that challenge them in new ways or a new sport or activity that captures their passion. Or later their kid goes away to college or gets their first big job and they find that this, this thing suits them very well and they really come into their own. They just bloom. The parents, not just the child, are overjoyed because their son or daughter has found a happiness that neither they nor their child perhaps ever expected. In a much larger sense, that kind of joy parallels what happens when we heed the call to put God first in our lives. We discover something that is beyond us. We discover something that can make us happy in a way that we never imagined. Even before heaven, we discover a small slice of kingdom in this life. When we read the gospel from today, we see that Jesus is sending out his disciples two by two. He tells them, don't take money or food or even a second tunic. Just take your sandals and a walking stick because of course you will need those to travel, but nothing else. Jesus is absolutely confident that they will find hospitality. Not from everyone, of course, but from enough that they will have no need of any supplies. Now, why will people welcome them into their homes? Because the, the apostles will be so alive with Christ, so joy-filled, that of course others will want to listen to them, even will want them to stay in their homes. They will have a supernatural magnetism about them. They will be casting out demons and curing the sick. People will see that they are alive with their mission, that they are living out what they were meant to be by their maker. And nobody can resist that, except maybe people who are completely dead in their sins. And Jesus tells the apostles, if you meet these people, just shake the dust off your feet and move on. It's the same in our first reading with the Apostle Amos, or the prophet Amos. One of the priests in the shrine tried to tell Amos to get lost. But Amos says to him, I was no prophet, nor do I belong to a company of prophets. I was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamore trees. The Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Amos is not ashamed of the fact that he does not come from a line of prophets or that he was a simple shepherd because he knows in his heart that he now has a calling from God. He has found his purpose in the Lord, not in what other people think of him because of his lowly, uneducated background. The second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians has a very Trinitarian structure. It starts off giving praise to God the Father who created us. Then Paul moves on to praise the fact that we have been redeemed because we have been adopted through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But then that final part of the passage says that as Christians, we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the first installment of our inheritance towards redemption as God's possession, 
to the praise of his glory. So we are created and then we are redeemed, but then we are called. We don't have control over the first two. God created us. We don't have a hand in our own creation. And as St. Paul said, God destined us before the world began for redemption in Christ Jesus. But this cycle finds its fulfillment in our calling to follow God. In this, we have a part to play. Yes, of course, we are aided in this by grace and by the Holy Spirit. But we, individually, have to choose to put God first in our lives, to follow him. Yet if we do that, we will discover a joy beyond all imagining, a joy that will sustain us in this life and lead us from this life into the kingdom of heaven.